Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy afternoon to you. Glad you tuned in for another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Glad to have you on board this afternoon. Opening segment of the show again today, sponsored by Dickey's Barbecue Pit. Proud supporters of the Eagle Hour and all things Southern Miss Athletics. I want to encourage everybody to support our local restaurants. Dickey's at the top of that list. Delicious food. Seven days a week, uh, dining room is now open with some limited seating in Hattiesburg. Uh, drive-through home delivery is still available to you. Uh, support the local restaurants. Support Dickie's Barbecue. Kelly Sander going to join us uh, later in the show as we talk about all the political chaos now beginning to really swirl around college football. Some pretty stunning developments uh, in the last 24 hours. But the other big issue, of course, that's facing everybody uh, these days and times is COVID-19, and uh, we're grateful again this week to have Dr. Mark Horn from South Central Regional Medical Center in Laurel with us. I uh, appreciate his time very much, and uh, I guess, doctor, more than ever, I appreciate your time because uh, your county really, really under the gun right now, approaching a 1,000 cases of COVID-19 and approaching, well, 44 deaths is the latest information I have uh, four deaths, as according to the state, just in the last two days. Uh, you guys are really, you got your hands full there, don't you, doctor? Definitely do. We, um, it's just people in our Jones County and uh, surrounding areas, Wayne County and Jasper, are both having a lot of cases as well. Um, it's in the community and it's spreading in the community, and people uh, don't know that they have it and that they're spreading it. And that's the reason we keep with the standard. Uh, advice consistently. Dr. Dobbs is saying it. I'm saying it. Everybody else who knows and, uh, is stay, uh, stay away from large crowds, stay uh, away, uh, wear your mask, uh, stay distant from other people as best you can, at least six feet. And, um, and that will make a tremendous difference. But uh, unfortunately, um, that message is being very strongly resisted by people. You know, Doctor, uh, here in Forest County, I have to say, or I live in Lamar County, but but in the city of Hattiesburg, I have to say the mayor here has been pretty aggressive about, you know, insisting that people wear a mask and that sort of thing. And I got to tell you that I think when I'm out in public here, I, I would say 85, 90 percent of the people you see in and out of stores are, are wearing masks. And Jones County has now surpassed Forest County in the number of cases substantially. Even yes. in the number of deaths, do you attribute the sort of plateau of the disease we're seeing here in Forest County to the fact that so many people are paying attention to what the mayor asked them to do? It's hard to think of any other good reason for it. Now, we don't have uh, uh, evidence based on studies, but, you know, it's walking like a duck and it's quacking like a duck. And we can see that in uh, cities and counties and locations where people have instituted mask policies where 
businesses say, hey, we want to take care of our customers safely. We want you to wear a mask. And where people understand that wearing a mask is not a political statement, it's simply a statement of saying, I care enough about the other people in my community to wear a mask. And if I've got it, I don't want to spread it. And those simple things uh, have clearly made differences, not just in counties around Mississippi and states around the country, but it's also recapped around the world. Uh, so where people do these simple, basic things, this respiratory illness uh, does better when you do these basic, simple things. According to the state statistics this morning, this is pretty stunning to me, that Jones County now has surpassed Forest and Lamar County's combined well let me back up it's very close now jones county on the verge of surpassing both forest and lamar county in combined cases and you know doctor you predicted this back at easter you predicted there was going to be a terrible surge uh in in the areas that you just named you know covington county i'm sorry jasper jasper county jones county wayne county uh, you saw that after the storms came through. Do you think that's still a big factor? Uh, maybe not as much today as it was then, but these things continue to echo. So the cases then spread to other people. That spreads to other people. That spreads to other people. And so it's it was teed up then, and now it is continuing to echo through our community because people aren't trying to, uh, a patient of mine told me yesterday, uh, their small country church here in Jones County have average daily, average Sunday services about 100 people. 18 cases in that church. I asked if people wore masks. I was told, not a few did, many didn't. I asked if they sang. I was told, yes, they had congregational singing. So not wearing masks, congregational singing in a small group equals in this case, 18 cases in a small country church in Jones County, mm. plus three more that are pending, and one of whom I understand is critically ill. So, I mean, what else can you say? Right. Let me clarify those statistics. As of today, 997 cases in Forest and Lamar County combined, 910 in Jones County. Luke, get yeah. in the conversation. That's, you know, that's... Dr. Uh, Warren, it, explain... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. It's good. Explain to people why something like in a church setting of congregational singing would would spread the coronavirus. So every time we open our mouths and make any and and either exhale or speak or do anything in nature, there are small uh, in the in the air that we exhale or speak out. There are small particles, uh, and those small particles can carry the virus. When we speak more loudly there's more air coming out or there, and there are more of these particles coming out. So the louder we are, the more infectious material is exiting our mouths. So when we sing, and I don't know about you guys, uh, I don't make, uh, my singing voice is not very good, but I don't like to sing with gusto. <laughs> so yes. when I sing, and I'm doing my dead level best to make a pleasing noise uh, uh, to the Lord, I exhale more of these potentially infectious particles, and if I've got COVID-19, I spread more of it, and I spread it further. So even churches that would be practicing distancing, they should refrain? Even if, what if the congregation, what if everyone wore masks? 
So I think uh, the safe way, and what I've told, I've talked to my pastor about, and what they're doing. Uh, you should uh, sit in family groups that are already exposed to one another. Those family groups should sit at least six feet apart. They should all be wearing masks unless there are good and compelling medical reasons that they should not be. And there should be no congregational singing. There can be special music if somebody wants to get up on the stadium, on the podium or on the stage and sing, and they're, you know, significant distance away from others, you can... You can uh, kind of interpolate that, interpret that a lot of different ways, but I'd say, you know, 15, 20, 30 feet away from other people, then the likelihood that they're singing is going to not spread the virus is better. But, you know, uh, and I love our music ministry as much as anybody else, but it is a habit that I have, and I enjoy it, but I can worship without it if that's what I need to do. And right now, it's what is far and away the safest thing to do. Yeah. In um in Jones County specifically city council yesterday um instituted a uh, I guess it was what you call it a mask order at all essential and non-essential businesses. Uh is that that's obviously the right move from everything that you've been saying uh with us today? Absolutely. It was the right move. I know that it was painful for uh for them to do. I know that there's been pressure for them not to do it. Uh but I believe it's simply an acknowledgement of the fact of where we are in Jones County with the spread of this virus and its danger and risk to us. Um, and um, I still think people aren't, I still hear people say it's the flu. The flu doesn't cause nearly the number of cases and serious illness and use of medical resources and deaths that this virus is doing. And it is sweeping through our nursing homes uh, and our older populations terribly. And I, there are a lot of – my mom is 84. I like, I love my mom, and I don't want her to get this. And I'm sure that if every, all the listeners would just think about somebody in their life who is older or who has a lot of medical illnesses, which person are they willing to put at risk? I mean, it, they really need to make it personal. Hmm. Good advice, Doctor. We're going to ask you to hang on for the second segment. Sure. The big question, of course, on this show always surrounds sports. Uh, what does the doctor think about the possibility of high school football in Jones and other counties 60 days, basically, from now uh, in light of uh, what everyone's dealing with uh, with this virus that just seemingly is not going anywhere? We'll continue that conversation. We'll join Kelly Santer as well later in the show. Lots more to come. We hope you'll stick around for the Wednesday edition of the Eagle Hour. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Welcome back to the Eagle Hour Wednesday edition. Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. 
Remind you very quickly about DBAT and D1. If you've got a child in your family that aspires to be a good baseball player, well, DBAT is the place to take them. Also, softball training as well, taking place every day at DBAT. D1, they're providing athletic training for all sports and athletes from 8 years old to 50 years old. Uh, it doesn't matter. They have uh, qualified instructors, former college athletes themselves. Uh, they've enjoyed success through the proper way of training, and they can share that with you. That's DBAT and D1 on Hardy Street here in Hattiesburg in the old Getty's Pizza building. This segment sponsored by our good friends at Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. Great selection of Southern Miss apparel. All the new summer stuff is in. I'm sure the fall stuff is not too far off. That's it. Campus Bookmart across the street from the USM campus on Hardy Street or at uh, campusbookmart.net. We're talking to Dr. Mark Horn, uh, head of medicine at South Central Regional Medical, about coronavirus and how it's affecting everything. And uh, so we covered, uh, you know, the outbreak and the, and the pressure that you're under, under jo- in Jones County. So it brings up this question, doctor. We talk about this almost every day. It's uh, now June the 16th less than two months away from the start of fall football practice and about two months away from what normally would be the opening weekend of high school football with uh, now 910 cases in Jones County, 44 deaths, and uh, a disease apparently uh, nowhere near uh, you know, ending. What do you see two months from now in regard to playing high school football? Uh, unless something happens fairly quickly, I see a big challenge uh, to having what people think about when they think of high school football. Uh, I can see maybe the teams being on the field, even that has certain risks, but I can see the teams of young, healthy uh, young men being on the field and playing each other. I, I have a really, really hard time seeing stadiums full, filled with uh, you know, ardent yelling fans the way I am when I go to a high school football game. I just can't see those crowds getting together in anything that resembles safety. Uh, there will be people at football. If you have a stadium full of uh, football fans, guaranteed there will be several people there who do not know they have this disease, and they will be spreading it to it depends on the crowd. Could be dozens or hundreds of people, based on what we see today. Now, maybe the facts will change if uh, if, the, if the community spread diminishes between now and then. Maybe it can be done safely. But if you told me today I had to make that decision today, I'd say there's no way to safely have uh, a high school football game with a large group of uh, very passionate fans. Can't be done. Do you today. know if it? Do you know if school administrators, uh, the people that are going to make these decisions ultimately around the state, are they conferring with medical experts like yourself uh, at at this point? They, I have it personally. I've, I've been contacted by the Laurel School District and by some private schools around here. Uh, I know that people like Dr. Dobbs and the health department are being contacted by the Department of Education. I don't know about individual school districts. I would encourage them to to talk. And for people like Dr. Thomas Dobbs and for people like me, this isn't about um, politics. This is about just cold, hard facts of what's happening. Uh, The same way as the weatherman tells you what the weather is, it's not an emotional thing. It's just a reality thing. Mm -hmm. Luke? 
Yeah, I guess that's just the hardest thing, Doc. And and you know, we we talked about Laurel with the with the mask. Uh, it, it was said, you know, Laurel's kind of like uh, a month, month and a half late to the party on that. Yeah, but and and I guess now for people have to understand what you just said. It is it is the facts of it. People have been having to go through this, you know, for three months, and you just wonder specifically in Laurel if people are just going to shrug it off or not. And uh, let's let's be honest; it's really impossible for uh, a local locality to, you know, just throw down a hundred to hundred fifty dollar tickets on everybody. It has got to be a group effort, and it has to be a self policing action. Yeah, this is a, a lot like you know we've been watching um, a variety of demonstrations around the country and. Uh, I, without getting into any of the politics of that, I think that's, you know, our First Amendment rights are precious. But um, what keeps us different from other countries is that we have this kind of social contract with one another. And this social contract says we're going to treat each other the way we want to be treated. And this social contract says we're going to behave in a manner in public that promotes the public good. That's kind of the social contract of being an American. And uh, to the extent that we do that, we succeed, and to the extent that we don't, we, uh, we fail to varying degrees. So um, I was always taught that way, uh, to act that way about everything that I do. And so when it comes to this infectious disease, that social contract says, I need to act a certain way in public to help other people. Yeah, and and the the sad thing is we we've seen it time and time again. People are not loving their neighbor as as their their self. I talked to a high school football coach this week. Uh, he's in contact, and he's actually on the health side of the MHSAA with a board of, of coaches and stuff. Um, obviously, it's kind of a joke. But if you were to ask people what's more important, sports or school, they might be honest with you and say sports. Most people are going to say school. We all know that's the right answer. How does the uptick in uh, cases, particularly in Jones County, but in South Mississippi, how could that possibly affect what happens the first week of August when school is supposed to start? Well, I, I know that the Jones County schools are uh, very diligently, and I know that uh, uh, Laurel Christian School here is very are very diligently uh, trying to do the right things and making certain that they can safely educate. Uh, not educating has its own cost. So I'm a big supporter of we have to get our kids back. I have a 15-year-old. He needs to get back to school. Um, Yes, he can be educated distance, but not every child has the advantages that he has in terms of access. So I'm keenly aware of that. I'm not willing to sacrifice um, the children in our community, uh, their educational future. So they, they need to be educated. How can it be done if it's where it is right now? They're working on uh, systems where they can have fewer uh, students in staggering uh, days, uh, a variety of things. It's going to be important, but we all have to remember it's different. We can't go back to the old normal right now. There will come a day in 12 or 18 months, we hope, where we can look back and say, wow, it, we can kind of resume more something what we used to have. But it's not today, and it won't be for the next few months. Hmm. Well, Doctor, in a couple of minutes that we have left, uh, we hear everything you say and and your warnings and and your advice are are, are well taken. On the other hand, people have to, you know, people have to work. 
People have to go buy groceries. People have to, to, to some degree, carry on uh, with their lives as much as possible. Is there any... Is there any new advice? And I think it's even worth repeating the old advice. If if your employer has called you back to work, uh, and so now you're not self-quarantined or you're not home quarantined, you're having to go back to work every day. You're having to function as best you can every day. What advice do you give those people? I encourage people, if, if you've been called back to work, go back to work. Now, um, when you're at work, and I know that some people cannot wear masks at work because of the nature of their work. But the vast majority of people can. Now, is it inconvenient? Yes. Yeah. So first things first. Um, your employer, one uh, hopes, and the vast majority of employers I know have thought about this carefully. They don't want on their. Uh, they don't want to cause more spread of disease. So employers will have looked at the workplace and made it as safe as it can be. Increasing air exchange, decreasing the number of people in small crowded spaces, having employees wear masks, providing safety uh, in terms of the work environment. That's a key. Um, Then what you do before you go to work and when you get off of work matters. Uh, So go get your groceries. Uh, Go get purchase necessary goods, but do it in a way um, that you stay away from large crowds, uh, that you can't control how close you are to people. Stay away from other people as best you can inside that environment where you're shopping. Wear your mask, sanitize the cart, sanitize your hands, and that will dramatically drive down the spread of this illness. Okay, so it's, it's basically the same advice we've been getting all along, and I think, I think I'm right in saying this. People just have to continue to be patient. This is, you know, we were locked down for some time, we're back out. I think the mentality is, oh, well, it must be over now. It's not, is it, Dr. Horn? It's not over, and I wish I could tell you. I, I gain no joy from this, but this, everything we see uh, points to this going on for many more months. It will come to an end. All pandemics do. Uh, but there's going to be more pain, more illness, more death before this one is over. We want to limit the deaths, limit the burden of the disease, and that requires everybody to work together and care about each other. Wear your mask, wash your hands, stay out of large crowds where you possibly can. Okay, doctor, your advice is always as good as always. We appreciate the time you take to talk to our listeners every week, and we just hope that you stay safe and, uh, and stay strong in the fight. Thank you so much. Dr. Mark Horn, everybody, from South Central Regional Medical Center. Really good words of wisdom. We hope that you'll soak them up and uh, listen to what the good doctor says. Kelly Sanders next. Southern Miss to the top. Back on a Wednesday, appreciate Dr. Mark Horn of South Central Regional Medical Center joining us in those first two segments. If you missed that, go back and listen, particularly uh, if you live in Jones County. Mm-hmm. Um, just yeah. some sobering facts and uh, some sobering, uh, some some good advice from, from Dr. Horn. Always appreciate him coming on uh, the Eagle Hour. Thank you for joining us today, Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by 4th Street 
Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. As always, home of the 895 lunch, and that always includes a drink. Kelly J. Center joins us on the phone line right now. Kelly, you got a beef? Yeah, I really do, Luke. And look, I don't, you know, I rarely give any hardcore opinions on this show, but I'm, I'm, I'm at my wit's end. They have, they've gone too far and I need you and Bob to, to help me get through this. I was, I was channel surfing last night and I normally, because of everything on, I just try to avoid the television. But last night I was channel surfing and there was an old rerun of a TV show called, um, whose line is it anyway? You guys are probably you know familiar with it. Drew Carey, you know, hosts a comedy show, whatever. So these comedians are up there battling with one another, and the, and the category that Drew Carey came up with said things that you would never hear at the Super Bowl. And the first comedian stands up and said, and the crowd cheers as the Bengals take the field. <laughs> now, now they have gone too far. That, that, that crosses the line. You know, well, picking well. on somebody while you sure down. sound like your head coach being, you know, the being bullied. There, the Bengals go being yeah, bullied. Yeah, the poor old so Bengals sorry. getting bullied all the time. Kick, well. kick a guy while they're, you know, kick a team while they're down. Were you? Jesus. Only you would know that because see, most people weren't born the last time the Bengals played in a Super Bowl, Kelly. So, did uh, they did play in one, right? They played in two, in fact, and they lost to the same stinking team, the San Francisco 49ers. Hmm. So you love those Niners. I wasn't alive for the first one. I was uh, six years old for the second one. All right, guys. Well, well, speaking of absurdity, uh, we ran across a couple of things overnight. And if you don't think think football this fall, if it's played, uh, if you listen to the first half of the show, you may wonder if it's going to be played. But... Uh, if you don't think it's just going to be absolutely overrun with politics, then you need to consider a few developments overnight. Luke and I, Kelly, uh, talked about a couple of these uh, off-air. Uh, University of Nevada, Las Vegas, is removing their Hey Reb statue from their campus, and uh, that's being demanded by protesters uh, that don't seem to realize that the rebel there is not a Confederate rebel. Luke, uh, what, what did you tell me the rebel was on the UNLV campus? He specifically, I think, represents a mountain man. I mean, he's got the uh, the look with the hat and the uh, you know the mustache, but nothing to do from everything that I've read with the Confederacy at all. And uh, so, yeah, we're we're taking down uh, mountain men now, apparently because they offend somebody in the ether. All right, Texas A and M quarterback Kellen uh, Mord has announced that the school is going to have to take down a statue. To the former A&M president, Lawrence Ross, who lived from 1891 to 1898, or he may not play. This is my favorite. The University of Virginia is changing its Cavalier Shield athletic logo. It seems that the handles on the sword are going to be removed because uh, some believe it mimics uh, a serpentine wall that at one time surrounded the university uh, back in the 1800s and uh, those people upset by that believe that the wall was used to uh, to hide slave labor. And so as a result of that, the university has publicly apologized uh, for their offensive uh, logo. And the two little handles on the sword on the side of the football helmets are going to be removed. And then the University of Texas athletes, their guys, have issued a list of demands and uh, indicated they will not participate in any recruiting of incoming players or participate, and this one's key, in any donor-related events until their demands are officially met. 
Uh, and some have said they will, quote, not play another snap. Here are the demands. They want ne- several buildings on the campus renamed. They want to replace campus statues with, quote, more diverse statues. They want the, a construction of a permanent black athlete history museum on the campus. They want to rename the stadium after the first black athlete that ever played at the University of Texas. They want to replace the Eyes of Texas with a new song that, quote-unquote, does not have racial overtones. And then they want 0.5% of the athletic budget from now on donated to Black Lives Matter. Okay, so if you don't think college football is going to be drowning in politics uh, in two months, I think you're probably wrong. I'll start with you, Luke. Uh, Your reaction, uh, particularly, I think, to the University of Texas athletes. Well, I mean, let's just be a, let me be objective. It is a good thing that, um, you know, college athletes are, feel like their voice matters. Okay. So, so let's take this, um, let's, let's remove the, the content matter that's talking, that's being talked about right now. Probably the most, one of the most important conversations we can have in the United States right now. I, I get that. But if it's about something else, guess what? Uh, I'm all for college athletes being, being willing to speak out. I'm all for that. At the same time, you should not be able to hold a university hostage because that said university actually is paying for your education to tell them where they're going to give money and where they're not going to give money. So I think that crosses the line. Now, I, I, I kind of, every night on, on Super Talk, Ben Shapiro's on, I tend to uh, agree with what he says. Show me something that is overtly racist, and I will agree with you. Show me something that is what is is ethically and morally wrong. And, and what I mean by that is, if at the University of Virginia, and, and again, I, I didn't know anything to know about the swords, no idea about the swords, but if, if uh, a fence was built to hide slave labor back in the 1800s, that is grotesque and horrible, and I, and I agree with it. The, the point is, the, the line that comes is, where does it stop? Where do you look at our country and say, man, we've come a long way? And depend and, and on other nations around the world, man, we're we're sure a way ahead. So at what point does it basically you erase history, you don't learn from history, and you're prone to repeat history. So specifically with Texas, I, I just think they're they're out of out of sorts, no matter what organization they would be demanding it to. But to say, hey, we're not going to take the field even though you're paying for our education, because I'll bet you one thing. If they want to stay living in Austin, it would be pretty hypocritical of them to not take the field and expect them to honor their scholarships to continue to be honored in the classroom. Kelly Center, athletes crossing the line when they start telling athletic departments where they have to send their money. I, I have a much more con- concise description of that whole situation. Right. If those are the players' demands, it is the university that made them players. It is the same university that can make them unplayers. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If, look, in the Santa household, if you didn't like it, don't let the door hit you in the butt on the way out. Right. But but it is America. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm all for people speaking their mind, um, and getting it out of their system, so to speak. But you know, so again, I'm I'm all the First Amendment guy. And but you don't make the rules. You know. What one more one more comment about that? I, I, if these if these students and these student athletes have done their historical homework on their own, 
and have come to these demands based off their own understanding of history, man, more power to them because we need more people like that. We need more people that are informed. It just seems like whenever you just see the type of surge that's coming on, it just seems like there may be an agenda behind. Whether or not the the end goal of that agenda would be positive or negative for the society, I just feel like perhaps in Austin there's there's some some puppeteers behind the scenes kind of pulling strings for people that that might have a, a voice or more leverage. But but yeah, here's the thing: if 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 I'm getting my education paid for, which it seems like in today is secondary in a lot of ways. If I'm getting my education paid for, then I might show a little bit more tact and respect towards the people that are actually paying for my education. Hmm. Boy, there's well, an old-fashioned concept, isn't it, Kelly? <laughs> I was just—I was just going to say you, you use a word that that um, just doesn't seem to be used much anymore: is respect and civility. Right. You know, there's there's nothing wrong in this country with disagreeing about things, but we can still love each other. And we can still be Americans. That's exactly right. And we can still realize that it's probably bigger than each of us as individuals. But let's be civil to one another. Let's love one another, and let's respect right each other. That's right. You know, and Kelly. whether whether you know, even up to the president, whether or not you like Mr. Trump, he was elected by you know, by the rules that our founding fathers set forth. There have been a lot of presidents that I haven't necessarily liked, but I pray for them every day. It's the toughest job in the world. Let's just be you know, respectful and civil to one another, and then nobody's going to get their feelings hurt. All right, Kelly, and I think you make a great point, too, that seems to have gotten lost here lately, is that we're all Americans. I mean, can't yes. we all be Americans first and then sit down as and, Americans and work out our differences? And nobody has all of the answers. Nobody does. Not one single angle, not one single person. And that is why when you come to have a conversation, let, the, let that person speak their mind. Let another person speak their mind, and I guarantee you, if we, as Kelly said, honor each other, respect each other, and use tact in the process, we can have civility, and we can get through this together because we all want the same outcome. I mean, honest people, properly motivated people, they want people to be treated with dignity and respect no matter who you are in our country. Including Cincinnati Bengal fans. Luke Johnson in 2020. (laughs) We'll be right back. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Toyo Yoda of Hattiesburg brings try the, you try that the again. fourth segment. <laughs> Toyota. Yoda. Yoda. Toyota. T-O-Y-O-T-A. Of Hattiesburg. Sometimes Bob calls it Hattiesburg Toyota. It's not. It's Toyota of Hattiesburg. No, it's not. It's Toyota on- of Hattiesburg. Toyota of Hattiesburg. (laughs) Now that you've got it, they sell Toyotas and they're in Hattiesburg, and you put those two together. They're located on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg or online, toyotahattiesburg.com. Search their entire inventory. You can secure financing. You can even value uh, your trade-in as you get ready to purchase a new vehicle. So uh, go see our friends at Toyota of Hattiesburg, and we appreciate their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. All right, um, guys, to pull off the content for this next segment, 
we have to break one of the rules uh, of the Eagle Hour. There's really two names, uh, two people who shall not be named on this show. One um, is uh, of one Ellis Johnson. His uh, The technical phonetic spelling of his name is with 12 L's, and it's really pronounced Elias Johnson. Um, <laughs> the other one is in the news. Kelly J. Sander, Donnie Tyndall back coaching. Donnie Tyndall has been named the new basketball coach at Chipola Junior College in uh, in Florida. And of course, the first thing everybody says, "Wait a minute! I thought he could, he couldn't coach for ten." That's in the NCAA. This is a, one of the this is one of the premier junior college uh, programs in the country. And you know, I, I know that all of this has been we've we've hashed over this before, but um, and Donnie Tyndall, in my opinion, uh, got got way more than what he deserved as far as a punishment from the NCAA goes. No question. Not condoning what he did, but I think the punishment was way too severe. Um, and and people, even to this day, regardless of the punishment that Southern Miss did receive, will tell you that Donnie Tyndall was one of the most dynamic you know, coaches to come in here and reignite a community uh, toward his basketball program. And what in three short years or whatever, he had the Eagles 30 wins. No, sure no question. Yeah, I mean, and, and what Dire Straits Conference USA is in, you know, I mean, the Eagles had 30 wins that year, 30, and didn't get a sniff yeah. from the NCAA tournament, and they were like the sixth or seventh seed in the NIT. Right. And I, 30 I, wins. And, and it, was, it was crunk in Reed Green during that NIT. Run. No, it was. And let me tell you this, Kelly, I'm sure you'll agree. That, that college got them a hell of a basketball coach. This guy's a I, real deal coach. I, I agree. I agree, and I, I, I hate that it came down the way it did, and I hate that uh, that it, he'll be tarnished. I mean, his name will be tarnished among Southern Miss fans. But I just, but, but again, I've, I've, I've talked to basketball fans, and obviously it's all hypothetical. But but when the Eagles were looking for a coach, and we got our guy with with Jay Ladner, but when they were looking for a coach, this man, can we get Tyndall back? Yeah, you know, and it's and it's not because of the stuff that went on behind the scenes. It's just that he knew what it was about to to shake people's hands and remember their names. And he would buy pizza for the student section, and they would show up for the game, and he would go to the Greek fraternities and sororities, and he would talk to the students and say, hey, we need you there. He, he had block parties at different Hattiesburg neighborhoods to meet people and encourage them, hey, we need you there. I mean, here in my own neighborhood, he was here, and, and we played cornhole, and he met all the neighbors, and I mean, they were signing up for season tickets right here that night. I mean, it was awesome. Hmm. I, that took some sort of special permission, though, to do that. Am I right, Kelly? I mean, to, 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 to bring something like that to where you live, that required some sort of committee's approval. Am I correct? And uh, Well, and, and there were background checks and fingerprints. Yeah, of involved, course. That's what I meant. Yeah, that's what I meant. Oh, yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. But I thought you kind of knew that already. Did you, did you uh, let any of the domestic help attend that that night, or were they strictly working? Well, it was catered. I see. I see. So you gave him the evening off. Is that what yes, I'm saying? Yes. You're indeed. so kind. See, see Bob. Such a great guy. Whenever, whenever something happens in Kelly's kingdom, like you and right. I, you know, we're we're thinking, you know, this is this is like would be extraordinary, and in our minds, it's like a ten. Right. right. Kelly's like, ah, that's what normal people nah, do. We're going to amp it up. Yeah, well, it shouldn't surprise anybody because when you look at the word cambrake, it's Latin. It's king. It's Cambrachius in Latin, and it means to pay way too much for a third of an acre. <laughs> You're very popular there, too, I'm guessing, being on the part of the show. Am I right, Kelly? 
<laughs> yeah, I'm really helping the. Uh, I really image, like you out there at the, the image of in the, the, in the kingdom inside the moat. Who you're not really popular. Who catered? Who catered that meal, Kel? I mean the the most the, the closest Ruth Chris Steakhouse is in Biloxi. Did you bring it in from the coast? Well, we, Bob Bob won't let me mention because we'd have to invoice him, you know, for because of our vast listening audience that get free publicity. So I'm not right, I'm not at liberty right. to discuss it. But. Let's just say it was not a local restaurant. Fair to say, well, no, Kel. It, it actually it, it wasn't local food, but it was I hired local people. I believe in I that. I see. I see. You know, you're so kind. I'm telling you, we're so grateful to have you guys too. It's just, it's just amazing. But, but, but you're I'm, right, Kelly. As long as you live there, they're probably going to evict you soon uh, because of this show. But, but you are correct. He did come to your neighborhood. He went to a lot of yeah. neighborhoods. And I, frankly, am one person. I'm glad to see Donnie Tindall get another opportunity. I am too. And and you know, I don't know. His ten ten year. I don't know how far he's got to be. Five or six years into that already. Yeah. So, you know, if he goes to Chipola and does like I think what he'll do, I mean, he could jump right back into the NCAA and still be a relatively young man. You got it. All right. I think we've insulted as many people as we can for one, one, <laughs> one hey, hour long show. Hey, by the way, big big guest tomorrow, John David Wicker, the athletic director for San Diego State University. Be on the Eagle Hour tomorrow. Former Golden Eagle. So uh, we're looking forward to that conversation. The three of us will be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. We hope you'll join us. Until then, Southern Miss. To, to the, the top. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.